Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. I'm Daryl McMullen, and this is a show dedicated to understanding the human condition, the impact it has on us, how we respond to it, how we can exceed the expectations and limitations of this world, in essence, how we can level up and live lives that serve a higher purpose. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It is November 16, 2020. So I was thinking the other day, um, you know, this podcast started back in January. Uh, I had kind of made a point of that for some reason. I had put together quite a few episodes and and gotten everything ready to go back in November and December of, of 2019. But I really wanted to start fresh in January of 2020. Um, and so the interesting thing about that is that, and I think we've talked about this before, uh, COVID-19 was also playing the same game, right? So COVID began in, in November or December uh, over in Wuhan, China and had quickly already started spreading to other countries and eventually uh, came to the U.S. I think that they assumed it was at some point in December or Jan- early January when uh, when it came over here and started impacting us. And we just didn't really know what it was at the time. So it was here. It was impacting us. We just didn't really realize it. And so the funny thing is that's, that's when the podcast started and and we've been talking about it all along, right? It seems like every week or two, uh, I bring it back up because something different has happened and we're, we find ourselves in a different spot related to this pandemic. Um, and I think I use the word crazy a lot, right? We start the episode and I say, man, things have just gotten crazier and crazier. And I think if, if 2020 had a subtitle, it could easily be the year of crazy, uh, don't get me wrong, it's it's definitely something that you wake up every morning and you're like, what is going to happen today? Now, for some of you, this may not be the case. You know, 2020 may be the year of COVID, but then that's really it. Everything else has just kind of gone off as usual and, and your life seems to be, uh, you know, pretty standard, straightforward. For me, for our family, not so much. Um... You know, we've been through the fire situation. We've been through uh, other things related to COVID, obviously, but just things out of the blue that make you go, wait, what (laughs) happened? What just happened? And why is this happening now? Uh, Things like that. So, you know, two more incidents this week. You know, I lost my computer, my, my main computer that I use for work. Uh, and for basically everything I do, woke up one morning and it just did not turn on at all. Did everything I could think of, um, talked to our IT guy, uh, nothing. So so that computer is sitting at an Apple store somewhere getting fixed. Um, and I'm on some older computer that I'm having to rig so that I can do this podcast. So that happened. Um, and then last night, my son, he's out uh, in our... I don't want to call it an alley. It's just a road that goes back behind our house where all of the garage doors open onto. And he's back there working on a project and he's got, you know, this, this wooden thing out there that he's building and, 
and he's spray painting it and he's, you know, just working on it. And it's, you know, it's pretty close to our, to the opening of our garage door. Uh, and he's in the garage doing some stuff and it's sitting out there drying and a car comes by and just literally drives right over it, smashes it. What? Are you kidding me? And the guy wasn't even on the right side of the road, literally driving on the wrong side of the road right next to the front opening of our garage door and smashed this thing my kid was working on. So it's stuff like that, right? It's just stuff that's, you just can't make this stuff up. It's just out of control this year. And for me, the only, the only word I can use is crazy. That's, that's where the, the word came from for me this year. I use it a lot and it is what it is. So what is it for you? What is what has been crazy for you this this year? But let's let's move into our minute of transparency. So I want to call it is busyness the enemy because it it really does dovetail right into the topic that we have for today. Um, but busyness is something that I've always struggled with, right? It's knowing how much is too much, knowing when to say when, knowing when to call it a day. Uh, knowing when to hang up your hat, so to speak. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a workaholic. In fact, my family would probably tell you that I like sitting on the couch, watching the news or sports and things like that. Uh, But what I've found is that this time of sitting on the couch and watching sports or watching the news uh, is really less about me relaxing and more about me just reaching a plateau in the day, a place where I've done so much work or I've worked so hard on a specific thing that I just can't do it anymore. So I literally sit there tired and defeated on some level and yet unable to really relax. You know, it's, I guess it's a work ethic thing for me, or at least I tell myself that. Um, But the question is, could it be something else? Could it be that uh, I've just fallen for the lie Or is it just me rationalizing my behavior in order to keep moving in that direction? I know it's different for each of us, and our personality definitely comes into play, for sure. You know, there's a spectrum uh, from lazy to hardworking, from laid back to uptight, from I work to live to I live to work. But are we just born this way? Do we just pop out with a personality that we'll be stuck with forever for the rest of our lives? Or, at some point, can we choose our level of crazy? Can we step back and analyze where we're at on the spectrum and choose if we really want to be there or not? And maybe this is where my real struggle lies, right? Living in la-la land between being a robot on an assembly line and fully taking control of my life and choosing the level of crazy that I'm okay with. It's truly believing that I have an internal locus of control versus an external locus of control. So why is this so hard? Well, for me, it always comes down to the concept of living the American dream, right? Living in a country where the culture pushes you in that direction. On the one hand, on the one hand, I hear the land of the free, home of the brave, but it feels more at times like the land of the hurried and the home of the driven. It started for me with the whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality, and then it morphed into things like only you can make something of yourself. You have nobody to blame but yourself. The sky is the limit. You have to claw your way to the top. Survival of the fittest. 
work harder, not smarter. And the list goes on and on and on. I'm sure there are many mantras out there uh, that, that you grew up with or that you heard uh, related to what it takes to be successful in this country. And that's really what it comes down to, right? It's all about winning. It's all about being successful, getting yours, even if that means that somebody else may not get theirs. In some parts of our country, this is subtle, maybe even subdued. Uh, but in other parts, it's right there. It's in your face every day taunting you. People who are successful and have things to prove it, walking by, driving by, living in the big house overlooking the ocean, you know, creating that magnetic pull toward the lifestyle, planting in your mind seeds of discontent, wanting more, needing more, and thinking that if you just work hard enough, you'll get it. And some do, right? Some do get what they think they need to be happy. And then they realize it later that they just want more. Like I said, this is something that I struggle with on some level, but the other day I realized just how ingrained it is in, even in our culture. So my daughter was in her room working on what I thought was just a project for school. And when I asked her what she was doing, she said, oh, I'm multitasking. She had a conflict, and so she was on one call for class and on another call for work at the same time. She literally had one call going on her computer with the audio on, and the other call was through her phone with an earpiece in. What? What kind of crazy is this? And, you know, on some level, we just laugh about it, right? And our mind immediately goes into fix-it mode. Well, you know, you know, maybe she should have scheduled one of the calls a different time, or, or maybe she could have just called a friend to have her friend take notes on class so that she could focus on her work call. Sound familiar? This is us. This is life. This is what we do. Every day is a fire hose of events, responsibilities, requirements, and expectations that have to be juggled in order to keep something from falling to the ground. And we think it's normal. In fact, we latch onto it as if it's our identity as Americans. We love our place in the world. We view other countries as lazy. And we assume that this is what it means to be successful. So that's what I struggle with, and that's what sets the stage for our conversation today, which is transcending time. In this episode, we'll walk through, one, a brief history of time, two, the unique week, and three, transcending time. Number one, a brief history of time. One of the things that I've learned uh, in life is that time is one of the great equalizers. Similar to gravity, everyone experiences it the same way, and nobody is exempt from its effects. You could say that time is a big part of the human condition, and you would be right. Uh, time is integral to what it means to be human. Time manages our sleep-wake schedule. It allows us to schedule events in our day. It allows us to define moments throughout our lives, things like birthdays, holidays, weekends, seasons, uh, the start of a new year. All of these are possible because of time. So where did time come from? Interesting question, considering time isn't something that impacts our creator. In the Bible, we learn that God has always existed and will always exist. If this is true, then time does not impact God. He simply exists outside of time as we understand it. In order to have time, you have to have a beginning, right? Time is based on something starting. 
this starting point or beginning kickstarts a clock, so to speak. So time started for Earth back when Earth was created. A clock started, and everything that happened from that point on has been marked as happening at a specific time. Time also started for humans the day that they were created. The clock started, and time has been marked from there on for all humanity. And for each of us individually, our birth happened, and that set in time a clock, our own personal clock. We were born, we live, and we experience time for roughly 75 years. And then we pass on, right? And that will be marked as happening at a set time in history. And even though we are no longer there to experience time, it will continue. So time isn't just a random byproduct of us being created. It's not just something that God threw in to make things interesting. Time is actually hard-coded into the DNA of the universe, similar to the way that the atom is the smallest unit of matter and is in all things. Time exists for us in all things and through all things. Everything has a beginning and an end. But how do we know this? And how do we measure our common increments of time? Well, it isn't some random thing that we came up with. It isn't man-made, that's for sure. Time is actually measured using the mechanics of our solar system. It's science, right? Or maybe a better term is celestial or astronomical. So let's walk through each and see where they came from. Starting with the smallest, the 24-hour cycle we call a day. So a day is measured by the time it takes the Earth to rotate one time on its axis. Next, we have the 30-day cycle we refer to as a month. This is measured by the moon, which goes through one phase, or what we call a lunation, uh, in roughly 30 days. This is the time it takes the moon to go from one new moon to the next. A new moon being the time or the exact moment in the month when the sun and the earth are aligned on opposite sides of the moon. And finally, we have the 365-day cycle we refer to as a year. Now this unit of time is measured by the time it takes for the Earth to make one full rotation or orbit around the Sun. Now on some level we all know this, right? When we grew up and had science class we heard about it, our teachers told us, you know, how this all works. But when you really think it through, isn't it a bit crazy? Isn't it a bit otherworldly? A bit strange that the universe itself, our, our very solar system, plays that big of a role in our existence? that the time periods they form in their movements actually help define the way we live our lives. I just find it fascinating. But before we move on, uh, we need to talk about a missing piece in the puzzle above. Some of you who are really observant have already asked this question, but for the rest of us, I'll explain. So we talked about the day, the month, and the year, but what happened to the week? Certainly, there must have been a celestial explanation for this as well. Actually, no. There is no astronomical explanation for the seven-day week. Number two, the unique week. So where did this unit of time come from? And if there's no celestial reason for it, then how did it become such an integral part of the way that we mark time? The simple explanation comes from the Bible. 
there is no celestial reason for the existence of the weak, unless you consider God, our creator, celestial, because God created the weak. It's there in Genesis where Moses explains how the earth was created. Genesis 2, 1-3, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all of his work which he had made and created. So he spent the first six days creating the earth, and on the seventh he rested, and all together that formed the first week. Then later in the Bible, uh, we find it again discussed in the Ten Commandments. So Exodus 28 to 11, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your man, manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger that was in, that is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And this was obviously core to the way that people track time, as you can see it used throughout the Bible as a measurement of time. Daniel 10.2 I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Matthew 28, 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something. So it's obvious. The list goes on and on throughout the Bible, where people mention the word week, as if it is just a normal part of life. So we know that the week has been recognized as a unit of time since the very beginning. And the only reason we have it is because our creator gave it to us. It's the one unit of time that he didn't leave to chance. He didn't allow the universe to explain. He gave it to us directly. But why? What's so special about the week that would cause him to do this? Well, trans and human would suggest that the week is special because it includes the seal of God, or what we refer to as the Sabbath day. I know, I know, it sounds like I just started speaking another language, right? Seal of God sounds like it came straight out of some apocalyptic sci-fi movie. And the Sabbath sounds like something Jewish people talk about. So let's look at both, and then maybe we'll see why the week is so important. First, the seal of God. So a seal is something that you place somewhere or on something, right? You place it on a physical object in order to show ownership or control or responsibility over it. You can see examples of this around the, around the world. So people in Scotland um, use these things called crests, uh, and they wear specific color schemes called tartans to show what family that they belong to. Um, and, you know, this is seen in multiple cultures, but even street gangs on, on some level use this, right? They use graffiti and they use colors to help define who they are and, and what group they belong to. But a traditional seal typically consists of three elements. You have a name, a title, and a jurisdiction. So, for example, when the president comes to town and he gets up to speak, all three of these elements are there. The name, Donald J. Trump, 
at least for the past four years, the title, President, and the jurisdiction, the United States of America. Now, the seal that's on the podium only has the last two of the three. So if you were to look at the seal that's on the front of the podium, it specifically says, Seal of the President of the United States. And that's really all you need, because the president's name will change every four to eight years, right? So then if we're using this as an example of the seal of God, then what does the seal of God look like? Well, to find it, you have to look for a similar set of elements, right? The name, the title, and the jurisdiction. And when you start to look for that, there's literally over 50 places where this is hinted at. But one place specifically where the seal is used to show God's ownership of the earth and his ability to require things of us. Interestingly enough, it's placed right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. So we read this above the verse, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger that is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Exodus 28 through 11. So in the verse, you see the three elements, right? You see the name, which is the Lord your God. You see the title, which is Creator. And then you have the jurisdiction explained as the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. So basically everything in the known universe. Next, let's talk about the Sabbath. So why did God throw out his seal in this way, in this verse, right in the middle of the Ten Commandments? Well, it seems pretty obvious. He wanted to make it very clear that the Sabbath day was to be associated with him. By throwing out the seal, he showed us why he has the power to ask us to keep this thing called the Sabbath. It's because he is the creator and he has jurisdiction over the earth. So what exactly is the Sabbath? Well, we could do an entire podcast series on that question for sure. Uh, but for now, let's just keep it short and simple. The Sabbath, according to this verse, is a day of rest, right? A day where you cease from your work and you spend time with God and you spend time remembering that we were created by him, by a God who still loves us and came to save us from the sin virus. Did you know that there is a second set of Ten Commandments in the Bible? I mean, they're the same as the first ten. They just appear in another place. In Deuteronomy 5, they are explained again. Only this time, the fourth commandment changes a bit. It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor the stranger that is within your gates. That your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. 
Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15. Notice the subtle change. In Exodus, we were asked to observe the Sabbath day because God created us. In Deuteronomy, we were asked to observe it to remember that God saves us as well. For the Israelites, it meant being saved from the Egyptians. For us today, it means being saved from the sin virus through the gift Jesus provided by dying on the cross in our place. Crazy, right? So the Sabbath is really important because by observing it, we admit two things. We admit that God is our creator and that he's our savior. Simple as that. So this is why the week is so important, because it includes the seal of God, which is the Sabbath day. Number three, transcending time. So when it comes to the week, there are really two ways that we can view it, right? There's our way and there's God's way. Our way is very self-centered, right? It's all about me. It's this concept that I get to choose what I want to do seven straight days out of the week. I'm going to use all seven exactly how I see fit, and I'm going to rest if and when I need to. But it's not a high priority. So, you know, maybe I'll take a few days of vacation each year and pretend to rest. And then there's God's way, which is the weekly cycle of sprint and rest. Sprint for six days and rest for one. So which plan is better? Ours, of course, right? The one where we get to be in complete control and we aren't told what we can and can't do. Yes, if that sounded selfish to you, it was. And that's the reason we like our way. Because we don't like being told what to do. But the obvious answer is God's way. I mean, if God created us, wouldn't he know what's best for us? Doesn't Ferrari know the best way to drive their cars? Don't they understand how to maintain their cars? Don't they know what fuel is best and what oil is best to use in their cars? It's no different with us. We can push back all we want, but our creator is always going to know what's best for us. And his plan is simple. Like we said, he knows what's best for us, and he knows that sprinting for six days and resting for one is the best. Or maybe it would be better to explain it this way. First, enjoy the six, and then protect the one. So in six days, do everything you need to do. Work, play, be entertained, create, oversee, manage, all of those things. And then protect the one. Rest, reflect, enjoy nature, be still, experience peace, spend time with family. You know, it's always funny to me when science catches up with God. You have this scenario where scientists will do a bunch of research and then they'll throw out amazing findings, findings that seem to defy logic. And they say, isn't this amazing? And then you look at the Bible and it was there all along. If science is done correctly, it will never contradict the Bible because God created science. So what am I talking about? Well, I saw this recently. During the pandemic, during the COVID-19 chaos, if you will, science saw an amazing thing begin to happen. People were quarantined. They weren't driving back and forth to work. They were only going out for essentials. And what started to happen? Animals started coming back out. Natural environments started to flourish again. 
and smog all but went away in certain areas typically plagued by its presence. And that's when scientists and researchers had an epiphany. Wow, maybe if we didn't work seven straight days every single week, we could have a positive impact on the environment. I mean, if we just close things down one day a week, what could that do? Sound familiar? Six days to do all your work and then rest on the seventh day? It was there all along. We just didn't want to see it until a pandemic opened our eyes. So let's land the plane. How on earth would we even begin to step into this whole concept of Sabbath keeping? Uh, Like I said before, we're just scratching the surface when it comes to the Sabbath discussion. We could do an entire episode just on the day of the week debate, right? Is the true Sabbath actually Saturday, the seventh day Sabbath? Is it Sunday, what we now refer to as the Lord's Day? We could do an entire episode on what a typical Sabbath day looks like. Uh, We could do an entire episode on this idea that the Sabbath is the seal of God. You know, this, this verbiage is used in the book of Revelation. And the people who overcome the world in the end are said to have the seal of God. So there's definitely some end of time implications there as well. But for now, like I said, let's keep it simple. Uh, There are some very simple things that we can do just to start. Uh, Here's a high-level resource that that you can use to at least understand the concept. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes, um, but there's a website called 246life.com, 246life.com, that just kind of lays out what it could look like to live that kind of a lifestyle. And then there's a book as well. Uh, I put the link in the show notes to Amazon where you can grab that. Um, But the book is basically by the same author who blogs on 24-6 Life. So just a very simple resource if you're interested. Uh, This week, I'd like you to wrestle with the following. First, is the Sabbath concept new to you? If so, do you buy into it? And if you do, then what is your next step? What would it look like for you to test out God's way for the next month or so, choosing to do a sprint and rest cycle each week? I'm not going to pretend that I have all of this figured out. I obviously struggle with the the whole seven-day selfishness thing all the time. Um, And the crazy thing for me is that I was even raised to know what Sabbath was. So this is something for each of us, right? If we're able to give up a little piece of control over our lives, what amazing things could happen for us? Like the smog going away in downtown New Delhi during the coronavirus lockdown, what could be cleaned up in our own lives if we just spent one day out of the week resting? So that's my prayer for each of us uh, and for our future health. Uh, Thanks again for joining us on the show today. It's always great to be together. And uh, until next time, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com where you'll find ways to contact us and how to access social media channels. If you like the show, you can help us by doing the following. 
First, tell a few friends about the show. Uh, There's nothing better than word-of-mouth marketing. Second, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, This will make it easier to find the show and encourage others to check us out. Uh, Thanks again for subscribing, and we'll see you next time.